Gaming on the Frontier. This is Bruce. This is Trav. This is Jonathan. This is Ian. (laughs) Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast of finding gems tucked away in other countries and bringing them home, much like England did with most of what's in the British Museum. I would punish you, but at the same time, I was going to make the exact same joke, so... (laughs) I want to say something, but I don't want to offend our British listeners, (laughs) so... Uh, welcome to Gaming on the Frontier. This week, we are talking about a game called Ukraine. They talk about, you know, these gigantic, massive cities, okay? But the truth of the matter is, is that the ecology and the commerce are, in fact, very fragile. You know, it's they, they're, they're literally being held together by these spider webs of supply lines you know, in some dirigible airships, but of course we know the dirigibles can't carry that much. So uh, what what I didn't see, by the way, was any indication of, of trains crossing these traverses. I imagine they would have to have some in order to, um, in order to carry large supplies from one city to another. But one of the things that works against things like revolution, just like in the, in the game, uh, well, the book series, The Hunger Games, President Snow kept saying, look, he says, you know, you're rebelling, but don't you understand? We're not like this massive, powerful group that's keeping all the other areas down. We're literally on a razor's ecological edge. This entire society could fall apart if people just decide not to not to work with each other anymore. So don't don't rebel. It's not going to be good for you. Uh, it's not going to be good for everyone. You know, and also in uh, the Matrix, where they talked about how, you know, the the machine intelligence has always done things a certain way because things were so fragile. You know, life wasn't, you know, really robust. So, you know, you get that impression reading this, that that's the way it is. And a lot of the decisions that are made, including ideas of revolution, have to be tempered by that constant fear that if we go, if we push too hard, we could literally kill everybody. Yeah. And that's an ever-present threat. And that's also, I think, the most uh, compelling part of the setting, right? We're not just challenging the players, hey, imagine and create a world that's better than this. Come on, we we threw we threw the game master and the players into into a dystopia. Mm-hmm. Nine times out of ten, your first reaction to being thrown into a dystopia as a player is, okay, how can I make this better? Or how can I tear this down? Right. Let's tear it all down and build it back up again. But if you do that in your game, everybody dies. Exactly, and and so it's really focused on that that human element. You could go for a whole revolution you could change things from inside you could do you know you could just spread chaos if you really wanted to but ultimately it's going to be probably something that covers all of these at once maybe just maybe just a little bit from here or there you know you're you're going to use each of these in in essence you're going to take a strategy from here a strategy from there cobble them together and hope that you've created enough of following, enough of an agreement, enough of anything to affect at least what little change you can, piece by piece, bit by bit, until you have an entire movement and following that can then support itself. Right. Because ultimately, you get, you, at some point, you're going to need the support of the elite because they're the ones that are going to be funding you know, it in some way. Somebody thinks they can make a ton of money off of your movement, and so they they basically fund you 
even you're bringing all the blood, sweat, and tears. You're bringing the drive. You're bringing the presence. But somebody has to make sure that you know the wheels are greased where it needs to be so that you can succeed. And those are the and those are usually the surprise halfway down the campaign. Those are the surprise revelations. You mean we've been working with Baron Von something or other all this time? Yes. Yeah. That's I think <laughs> I, I think that kind of Machiavellian thing is something that your game is going to be really good at providing, you know, a, a, a bring in. Because when I when you look in the game, when you look at the again the the the, the kicks uh, the, the the fast start, okay, the situation you present them with is not a situation of combat. It's actually a situation of negotiation, of investigation, and of of using work, you know, to influencing people into doing not necessarily the right thing. Right. <laughs> no, it's that's a devilish uh scenario it really is which is part of why it's included there i I ran it 10 times this past weekend and it was always incredible seeing the directions different groups would go yeah because you 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 literally can solve the scenario in in like five minutes by saying those four people we're gonna blame them exactly and and just and just come in and use all of your uh, ability to convince people to just convince them that these people are the bad people that they're looking for, and everybody then gets to go on their business because they're going to take take them off and hang them high, I guess. Exactly. <laughs> but assuming, of course, that you have some sense of of uh, self love for your characters, you know, you've got characters that are very devoted to um, to actually finding out the truth, to honor. The things right. like that, so they're not going to. They're probably not going to do that. But they're not all characters are like that. So you've got this tension between the um, well, the wor- not just worldviews, but basically the 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 uh, binding aspects of their of each individual character's personality. They're they're you know what I th- you call ideals, okay, which are which could be which look like just the things they're good at, but it actually seems to be more like this is what you've devoted yourself to, and that's why you're good at it, right? Right. Yeah. And I also like the fact that you've got this thing called spleen, which is all the things you're bad at. And all and every time that that comes into play, then you got to apply that as well because, you know, the GM's going to make sure that you... That that those things are going to drag you down as they should because that's also an integral part of your character. And I haven't seen that in very many role playing games. Usually, it's all about you know. I mean, Savage Worlds has flaws and it has you know feats or edges, and the edges seem to be all the things you're really good at. The flaws are the are the um, the term I'm looking for is the uh, the 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 bind you know the basic character flaws. The things that that will basically bring your comeuppance sooner or later, because they that's a that's a problem you have, like being super uh, arrogant, or you know, or or being blind, or being uh, you know someone who uh, is rash, you know, and and does things without thinking about them. Okay, those are all. And then when you play the game, what usually happens is that most GMs allow the players to buy off those those flaws they they eventually work themselves out of those and they no longer have any of those flaws but i don't think in your game you're ever supposed to lose those flaws or those those that spleen as you put it yeah so there you can um there is so something that the 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 advanced character creation and leveling system that the uh, quick start guide doesn't get into you can buy yourself out of an ideal or spleen okay uh, using experience and and narrative fiat essentially if there comes a point in the story where you know you have enough xp and it makes sense that your character has changed sufficiently you can change your spleen or ideal but it still costs you experience and it's it's not like D or or other things where it's like 
you know experience where you're just killing monsters and gaining that it's more just what did you get done in a scenario did you did you do this did you do that various factors and then you have basically a point budget that you invest into your skills your traits all of those things so so it's much less about level and more just okay your character is now better in this variety of ways and or changed or simply different but yeah ideal spleen those have been really fun to bring up and I think what's important to mention is that they they give you a pretty significant bonus. So again, the game is is a two d six system, but when you're rolling uh, with your ideal or rolling against your spleen, I guess I should say, uh, you roll three dice instead. But if your ideal applies, you get the two highest. If your spleen applies, you have to take the two lowest. So that's sort of like advantage and disadvantage in 5e. Right. But you're not always going to be applying those to every conceivable role. Right. Uh, it's actually incentivized. Like, it's it's important that they only really come up maybe once or twice a session. You, you save those for, you know, points where that role really matters. Mm-hmm. That being said... There is something that you do want to apply to every conceivable role you you can and also helps drive forward uh, your character and gameplay. And those are what we call traits. And traits are quite possibly my favorite part of of the system. I'm probably going to say that quite a few times because I do enjoy how the system plays. But traits are like, bar none, one that was just kind of a facepalm, like, wow. This is easy. And the way it works is your traits are quite literally that. It's parts of your character's background, personality, physicality that you want to focus on in roleplay. A couple examples include, from, from the starter kit, a Judy duelist who's got a piercing gaze. So whenever she could make a role where her piercing gaze, where she could just stare someone down, where that would apply. Like the obvious one would be in intimidating someone, but there are a couple other cases where it might come into play. She gets a plus two to her role in addition to all other factors. Similarly, there's a character who is both strong and a pacifist, and he gets a plus one to each of those. And so whenever he's, Whenever the player could argue that, you know, oh, you know, this is the pacifistic course of action. I'm trying to avoid conflict. I'm trying to whatever they can apply. They can just apply that pacifist plus one to the role. Similarly, whenever they're trying to just be the strong presence, like, yeah, I'm going to kind of just stare them down and just try to look as big as possible. They, they get to apply that that plus one strong to it. And it can go so many different ways. You can have as many plus one traits as you want, so long as you take enough minus one traits to cancel them out until there's only a total modifier of plus two left. Okay, um, I'm I'm sort of seeing here because I'm I'm huge on OGL, <laughs> so three oh three five D twenty modern Pathfinder. I'm kind of see it like the traits and drawbacks in Pathfinder, where, yeah, you get a boon, but you got to take something to counter it to level it out. Yeah, okay, I'm seeing that. Right, and I do right. like that because you can apply it in so many different ways. Right. You're really incentivized to just be creative with it. Yes. Um, as long as, ideally, it helps you play your character and really drive home who they are. But you can't just say, I'm pretty, so that means I get anything I want. Right. <laughs> Because <laughs> I've, I've been in games where people tried that on me. And and in this game, you'd say, okay, you're pretty. How pretty? You could be just pretty, which would give you a plus one, or strikingly pretty, or stunningly beautiful, or whatever, which would just give you a plus two. You're only allowed one trait that gives you a total of plus two. And that'll end up being your only trait if you, if you do that. Uh, because... You know, that's that's just kind of game balance reasons. We don't want a ton of traits that are plus two. It's like that's like 
your feature. That is your defining thing as a character. So you only get two traits is what you're saying. You get a total bonus of plus two. Like you can take several. It's recommended you have three or four at most, but the limits are ultimately just one trait is allowed to be plus two. And then all the other traits are allowed to be plus one and or minus one. And as long as those equal out to a total modifier of plus two, once you add up all the, you know, plus two, plus one, minus one traits, as long as that total modifier is just plus two, you're good to go. Oh, um, I I do see, and I have gamers in my group that I do see the potential for, and you can use whatever term is generational, min-maxing, power gaming, munchkinning. I do see the possibility for that happening. Oh, yeah. Yes. You're, you're, you're going to get a... You know, you know, cue the uh, cue the one-legged albino sh- sh- uh, nearsighted <laughs> swordsman. <laughs> or no, what, what was the one that I saw in Hero Games? That's one of the the systems I cut my teeth on. Nova Man, where he can do the ninety d six killing attack with extra stun as he sits in his ICU unit at the hospital, you know, that type of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, no. <laughs> I, I, and I, and I'm sure that all of you there have put in restraints where that isn't happening. And, and a lot of it's just GM fiat where you look at the character sheet and go, really tone these yeah. down. So you don't need this much. So I'm sure there are rules involved and it's just GM fiat where you just say, uh, no, you can knock off five of each of these yeah. and bring it down to a manageable level you're not bringing in a new character every week so that you can create these, uh, uh, these, these abortions, these abominations. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This isn't this. And and that's kind of another thing I wanted to say back when we were talking about the like European American divide, the the U S market is 90% dungeons and dragons. Yeah. Yeah. And then that remaining 10% is mostly pathfinder and then everyone else. Whereas the European market is predominantly more social-driven investigative games like Vampire the Masquerade or Call of Cthulhu. I We can just chalk that up to the American mindset of how we are. Yeah, we're going to go out and take them out. I tell you what, yeah. It's like, oh, or no, what, what's the line from Wild Wild West? As opposed to Jim West method of interrogation, shoot first, shoot again, shoot some more. If anyone's alive, try to get some questions answered. That's... <laughs> <laughs> That's from, that's from the movie, the by the way, not from the t- not from the television yeah, yeah. series. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've I've seen I've seen the movie. Yeah. I've never seen the television. Oh, series. you oh you you you're cheating yourself if you don't see the see at least the first season of the of the television series. It's wonderful. Yeah, I mean, you know, you you look at that and go, why didn't they do that in the movie? And the answer is Hollywood. <laughs> It's just our American mindset, you know, pluses and minuses. It's how we are. We're going to go in and just, again, like the Jim West quote, and Europe, they just have that different mindset. So because you said it's not a level-based game, so you're not going to have experience, you're not dealing with the kill factor that D&D has done. And then they've had to go, oh, by the way, we need to make rules for gaining experience for using your brain and not your fist or your gun. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so so it's like that. And also like on on the matter of min-maxing, like I guess you can min-max, but that's that's already more or less built into the system, you know. If if you min-max, we we just call that being an expert in your field. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> okay. But you did but you did that at the expense of having any breadth of knowledge or being good at any of the other checks in the game. So you are, you are literally <laughs> Jack of all trades, master of none because you're doing this. Yeah. Yeah. No, he, or, he's well, say, he's Jack, of, the Jack of one trade. Yeah. Master of none, no other. Yeah. Uh, right. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and which is not a bad thing because it encourages, you know, since you have no every man, it encourages group play because you're not, no one can stand alone and succeed you know, because you need the other people. Now, what I don't quite understand, I mean, in the in the in the quick start, you know, they're all trapped together uh, on 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 the traverse. You know, trying to get into the city, and they're trying to find somebody who's a 
bad person or a group of people that are bad. Okay, and so you're kind of independent people, but you're all kind of working together independently to try to solve this situation. Now, is that normally how adventures are going? Because it seems to me like you'd have to have some kind of, once you get past the initial experience, some kind of glue that holds these disparate characters together into some kind of a uh, ragtag team. Oh, oh yeah. You, you just take their loved ones hostage. I mean, that's all you do. No. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, the classic. So some, uh, you know, like you say, so some elite... Some some royal or something goes and just grabs a whole bunch of people. You know, basically you got, you know, Peter Phelps, you know, from Mission Impossible sitting there going, yes, this person and this person and this person, they all should be working together for my aims. Okay. Okay. You know, boys go out and grab their families. Is Are you literally saying that's the way that the game should start? Not the game as a whole the, the game can start however however you want it to and i do recommend coming up with a more cohesive group background beforehand of course but for the particular for the the uh, scenario in the starter kit is yeah. uh tailored uh for the uh for the the pre-generated characters in it and each of those characters has somebody they're traveling with who is then taken hostage should they be present um so all of the all of the characters, at least for this starter scenario, they meet because they all just had someone taken hostage by a tyrannical metropolite. Right. Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So so they really do need some other kind of glue to social or you know uh, cause celeb to to keep them working together and whatever the focus that the GM wants to make because. You know, as you say, it's a whole world. You're presenting them a whole world. You're giving them all kinds of what equivalently would be the nations of the world that have names that sound familiar, but it's a thousand years later, so there really aren't. <laughs> and uh, and and you're basically going to say, what is you know, the GM's going to have to decide what am I trying to achieve in this game? What what is the goal for the players to be based upon, of course, what you know their your PCs are going to your players are going to enjoy playing. Right. Yeah. What when you when you're given that you know that that kind of thing, I I can you like just off the top of your head just go and throw out um some law some some more sweeping goals that uh a group uh of players uh, characters might be uh aspiring to? Oh yeah they might be aspiring to um topple a a corrupt official that they are all familiar with. If we're going to start small, they could all be members of various, of various factories that have been working together to unionize. And they could be swept into actual battles like, like Blair mountain or, or what have you, you could have them as members of the powerful elite. Uh, you can, you can switch it around. They could be, the the movers and shakers of the world all conspiring against another person who stepped out of line or perhaps you know they could be on the street they could be the metropolites of a certain city they could be you know the equivalent of fbi agents investigating a certain string of disappearances and and trying to figure that out i think the most important thing to remember um and the game really tries to encourage this in character creation is that your character wasn't born from you know the moment you start playing them right depending on their age they've existed in this world they're going to be a person who due to their their life's factors are on a certain path and they might have already certain goals okay and so, this, I'm, I'm seeing here it's if this were a level-based system, these characters are not going to be starting out first level 14, 15, 16 years old. They might be in their 20s or even 30s, got a little bit of experience under their belt. They have a life story. That's, right. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I'm, I'm coming from that level-based system because, again, OGL. Yeah. But no, I, I like that. like Bureau 13 ages can be any yes. age. Yes. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And you and you can be any age and your skills are probably going to reflect that uh, that age. 
and you know you're probably going to uh, go forward and you know work with that and there there are advanced options for character creation now we're not like traveler we're not going to kill you in character creation <laughs> um <laughs> but but funny enough traveler is probably one of the closest american games to a cream as far as like the system is concerned really um, okay wow having having played a little bit you know it's you know you're doing 2d6 versus a target number and you're adding your skill now yeah. traveler gives you a negative if you are unskilled and and stuff like that and it has a really cool character creation system that i would not mind making an a cream version of um if it doesn't already exist in the book that has not yet been translated um <laughs> yeah but but that's future plans okay yeah, Ian, I'm telling you, the more I think about this game and such and what you said and what I've read, I, you know, if I was to, you know, just throw, you know, say, if I'm going to start tomorrow, let's say, and uh, which, of course, is impossible because I don't even have the game out yet, but with a with a campaign and uh, a group of people that I wanted the players to be, I, I would I would basically pick some underworld group some underworld um consortium okay because they would have the greatest amount of freedom elon you know because they're already in violation of their own social order to, mm -hmm. to be basically to have to, to be able to do what they want to do so they would have people who had the ability to break in and enter they would have people that were willing to engage in violence if necessary you know, you'd have people that could have under who would have under red uh I'm sorry not ready but would have underworld contacts because of your organization in other cities and other things like that you know you could have a police officer who's corrupt you know who works you know who's you know even though he does a regular job or she because you know, because I haven't seen any gender bias in your game there is some gender bias, but that varies from from location to location. Okay. Well, I mean, you're you're. Um, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. You're you're the the woman who was the sword person. Um, you, you just used that that term for her. Um, oh, uh, the the Judy Duelist. Judy oh. Duelist. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So she's obviously a a real. You know, take no. You know, accept no excuses. You know, get answers. Well, you know whether you know using the sh the sharp point of her tongue or the sharp point of her sword. You know, I'm just saying is that they're, they're, no one seemed to be like, you know, well, who's this strange fish out of nowhere? They're just like, oh well, you know, that's just the kind of people they are. So you know, but anyways, um, what I'm saying is that you know to me that seems like the perfect, well, at least more easily for me to wrap my head around as people who would have a lot of flexibility, they would have a, a lot of, because they're working for this underworld group that may have all fingers and all kinds of things, you know, the missions that they're given, the goals that they're given short and long-term would be, you know, might be very varied and, um, and, and having an eclectic group might make more sense than if, you know, just like I said, a, a bunch of random people that just happen to know each other because they're all the, dis, you know, they're, they're all the children of, um, uh, as you pulled them, uh, metropolites. Right. I, I like that idea, but that's me. Okay, that's that's where my mind goes when I, I hear about, especially when I, I think of a world that is, in my mind, fairly stagnant and you watch and, and therefore you you know you, uh, you would want change either good or bad okay and therefore a group that already is is going against the status quo even though they're actually part of the status quo <laughs> so, mm -hmm. you know um is you know no one ever talks about how you know criminals actually support you know uh emergency services <laughs> right and, yeah. and and that's an exciting avenue to take it and that's kind of uh what what we're hoping for with the game right like right. it's we we are presenting a setting we are presenting a system and now just run let your imagination run wild and to aid that you know the the great question that i was kind of avoiding that could be a group's goal is 
What is the ACREE? Where did it come from? And why are certain government organizations and scientific lodges so hell-bent? You know, they're hell-bent on keeping people from learning about the cream or investigating it too too deeply and uh, and certain people disappear you know when they're oh. when when they're when they're looking too deeply oh. into it and and other such things and there are some strange things happen there might be cults dedicated to it underground they might mm. be building strange uh strange altars some artisans some great artisans might be working, you know, on an unfinished masterpiece, but every other thing that they work on is touched with this almost mystical aspect to it that brings people to tears or drives others to madness, depending on who's viewing it. Um, there is a magical undertone to the entire setting. Oh, okay. And <laughs> and late at night, you know, when the moon is dark, you can hear the cries of the Yog Sagath as they splash through the Ecree. Wow. <laughs> uh, there, there is something, Ian, I, yes. I was noticing that when you were mentioning this, I got the vibe right off the bat is, okay, no, you generally are going to be playing the unwashed masses, either criminals or just a working Joe or what's the term that Bobby the Brain Heenan used? Nine to fiver, ham and egg or garden variety humanoid. No, from what I'm gathering here is you could play one of the upper crust and or you could have an entire party of the one percenters. Oh, mm-hmm. no, we are all from wealth and and means and Maybe they're going out to adventure because they're what? What? There's a term where idle rich. I think it's a term I'm trying to use. Where yeah, yeah, yeah we're rich. bored and just we want to go out and you know go out and about for S and G. You know, yeah. That's that's ninety percent of the English gentleman explorers of that era. Well, yeah, in, yeah, the but late eighteen hundreds. You know, <laughs> I was just figuring that okay, all the rich and scientific elite are the villains. You're playing the lower crust. That's it. Oh, no, no. Okay, this opens things up. And by the way, I was on the site. You guys did not skimp on the art budget. I will tell you that now. The art on this site, people, is gorgeous. Now, okay, wait a second. It was, you know, I, I'm not disagreeing with Trav. I'm just saying, though, but are you just inheriting the art from the uh, the French version that's already published and successful? Or uh, is this actually is this actually new stuff that's being made only for the American version? No, so... The only new stuff for the American version, um, we're 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 updating some old art. We might add some new art, and we're we're adding rewrites in some places where the French is just too strong. Um, and and ultimately, ultimately, what we're doing is we're translating it from from French to English. That is ultimately all we're doing. Uh, we are changing the format of the books. Uh, it's going from a three book set to a two book set. It's all the same content. We're just redistributing the content right. between two hardcover books as opposed to three softcover books. But but still, just I'm here on the site, and and Ian, the art here is it, it, it's my saying. They didn't skimp on the art budget. Get on the yeah. site, but the art is just it <laughs> pops. It's beautiful. Oh, it's beautiful. It really yeah. is, and it and it really conveys the um, the the desolation uh, of the setting. But yeah, mm-hmm. as, as far I mean, as the art goes, it's the if it ain't broke, don't fix it. If the French book exactly. already had just the fantastic art, keep it in there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and what I'm seeing here, geez. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it, exactly. And and like we we also try. It's you know, it's not just desolation, right? People have been living with this as reality for a thousand years now. There's there's also hope and and opportunity, and you, you don't get that in all the art, but there are a couple pieces where it's it's really like okay, there's more to this world than just gloomy acid mercurial death at the bottom of a long fall yeah well there's an awful okay i mean there's an awful lot of 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 passages from people and they're like yeah my life sucks you know i can't expect anything better for my children but i'm not dead right (laughs) And, and you know uh you know and i guess people are looking out for me so yay yay us Right, it, it, and, it's all about trying to find that that positive aspect. Yeah, it just seems like a lot. It seems like there's there's a core of de, of of, of uh, delusion. 
<laughs> at the basis for this society. Yeah, I think part of that delusion, though, is kept up by those high in power. They want to give what is oh, it? Yeah. the illusion oh, They're constantly of talking about how they're doing all these good things for us. Yeah, for the you people. Yeah, yeah. Aren't you lucky to be part of our uh, in our city because all these wonderful things are happening? Yeah. Meanwhile, you know, people are dying of dysentery. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you know, I, I like talking about all these good things uh, uh, that we like about the game, but is, may I may I mention something that I think is a problem? Yeah. Okay. There's a lot of jargon. Yeah. You there's guys a lot have, of jargon. <laughs> you guys have, have basically gone the white wolf way of saying rather than using the same word that everybody else knows, <laughs> let's go and find, let's open up our thesaurus and especially our French thesaurus and. And try to find some other obscure word to use in its stead. Okay. And, you know, I'm literally seeing it again and again and again in your text. And I, I understand how that carries forth the, you know, the stylistic aspect of the game, you know, and, and stuff like that. And, and, and I guess once you, uh, yeah, I, I don't know how, you know, the little I've read, like I said, I mean, I've only read the thing. If the real game is like, you know, multiply that times a hundredfold, you know, I, I hope it's not going to be like that because I think that some people might be put off with having, you know, having to learn what to them would be obscure words. The yeah. American pop population, okay. Uh, so that that's, that's my, that's one of my few uh, negative things to say about the game. Oh, yeah. That's that's understandable. And uh, I can't let White Wolf take all the credit here. Um, got to got to do a shout out to Frank Herbert and other <laughs> Golden Age sci fi authors. <laughs> um, <laughs> one advantage that the uh, the main books have over the uh, starter kit is there is a glossary. Oh, thank God. <laughs> OK, good. <laughs> In one science fiction story I uh, uh, I was reading, it's actually um, A Case of Conscience by James Blish. You know, there's a writer in it who basically says, how can you possibly ever write any kind of a book or, a you know, uh, whether it be scientific treatise or novel or anything else without have, explaining every word that's going to be used in the text so people don't make mistakes? <laughs> Right. <laughs> that was that was what that was, you know, and of course everyone looked at him like nobody does that, you know. But of course in their culture they always did. So right. <laughs> it's, it's also probably a very Vulcanish thing, a Vulcan thing to do. But uh, yeah, okay. And with that in mind, okay, because I didn't see a, a d definition for it, please tell me what a degreaser is. Okay, so degreasers are kind of funny um, because. I think even in the French version, it's jargon <laughs> because it is what it says on the tin. I, I tried Google Translate, you know, I tried asking my coworker, degreaser is a direct translation of the same title in French. And it literally just means degreaser, a thing that gets rid of grease. But in the in the terms in, in the world, it means uh, a mercenary, somebody that does dirty work and, you know, kind of gets rid of. Yes. OK, I see the etymology there. Gotcha. All, All right. right. He, in other words, they're cleanup crew. Yes. It's a cleanup crew. A cleaner, exactly. a mob cleaner. Yeah. Yeah. It a is mob a mob cleaner. cleaner. Exactly. There we go. Nice. There we go. Thank you. I'm, maybe <laughs> you put that into your definition. <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, yeah, I realized to to uh, appeal to uh, American readers yeah. because the mob, you know, with the Sopranos and, you know, yeah. they'll as soon as they get it pop. Oh, OK, gotcha. Yes. Yeah, yeah I would yeah. like to think that the time you spend here on our podcast, actually something good came out of it. <laughs> that was wow. Super OK. Yeah. Besides, of course, our promotion of your wonderful. Well, game. yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, no. I, I, Really appreciate that. I just downloaded and just scrolled through it, Ian. Oh my lord! No, wow, yeah, it everything just popped, and just the art and the graphics, and just folks get to drive through RPG and get this. This is beautiful. Yes, and it's and it's, again, it's uh, you, you'll see in the title of the podcast, but it's E C R Y M E, so E cream. And uh, oh, I wanted to, I did want to ask me. We know there's a um, a, a French RPG. 
Okay, whether was it based upon like French novels, uh, stories, or is this literally was made whole cloth uh, as a um, an R- as a TT uh, tabletop RPG? Oh yeah, France. yeah, that's where the story gets kind of interesting, actually. So this is technically the second edition of the game. The original release was in 1994, and it was based off of the works of the uh, French steampunk and alternate history writer Matthew Gabaret. How do you spell that? Yeah, let me let me get you a spelling. It's uh, yeah, M A T H I E U, and then G A B O R I T. Okay, which and of course all all of his all of his uh, work is in French and not in English, right? Right, and that's. And that's an unfortunate uh, matter, uh, really, uh, because he's got a lot of cool ideas. One of the main influences uh, for Akreem was his work uh, called Boheme, which is just Boheme, like Bohemia. Yeah. Um, and, and it pretty much made this entire world as you see it. Although I think there are a couple differences in the... In, in the book version versus the game version of the world, uh, such as the game version of the world, the Akreem's been along a lot longer in the book version mm-hmm. of the world. The Akreem was literally caused by the industrial revolution in our world. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. But don't, but don't take that as a cause and effect because the, the, the tabletop RPG is different. Exactly. Yeah. And, and yeah. it is, it is, it has to be different um, because ultimately we, while we have the rights to the to the game and the writing for the game and the translation for the game, we have no power over the novels, and so they'll probably remain untranslated for the time being. And so, you know, we're just trying to translate this game as 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 best we can uh, into English because it's it's it hits a lot of it hits a lot of things. It's a narrative system that is relatively straightforward. It is a cool dystopian steampunk world that is you know, a steampunk game that is actually very seriously so, which honestly there are very few like that. I've I've looked. Um and it's just really interesting. Like the world building is just deep. And it's 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 a thing that you can get lost in and just lends itself to writing a whole variety of stories. So how many pages is this uh final game tome gonna be oh the final ta- game tome yeah when when you finally really you know, get get done and release it how many pages do you think this is going to be oh uh, well let me check my 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 google sheet here because <laughs> you know americans sometimes you know d- choose games based upon their page count and and their their profit you know the, the cost to what you get you know what i'm saying the player book is going to be around 240. I have, well, closer to closer to 280. Okay. Um, <laughs> 240. Well, to more is probably better in in the case of a background book. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Because you have because even in what you have in the uh, in in the quick start, you have so many groups listed. You know, from the southern groups and the pirates and and all those other things. You know, there's just just you know. We're talking at least fifty different, you know, nations. It seemed so. Uh, that's all, you know. E- even if you only put ten pages to each one, it's still a five hundred page book. Oh yeah, and and the uh, and the master book is is one hundred and sixty. So you're getting, and and that's only the tentative. Where it'll probably be be higher than that. So you're looking at probably four hundred four hundred fifty pages of content. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Well, I mean, the, the Pathfinder first edition core rule book is 570, and that's player and GM combined. So these yeah. two are going to come out as, as less than that. Yeah, but we're not talking about 500 pages of rules. Yeah, we don't have 100 pages of spells. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> the thing. That's, a, that's something else I want to know about. And normal humans, no other races, no weird abilities, nothing like that. It's just skilled humans with steampunk era technology that's it uh, <laughs> oh okay oh here we go this uh is- it is i i will say it is very human 
it is all humans. There aren't any of your fantasy uh, races, ancestors, okay, yeah. none of that. It is it is all human. And you do have, of course, steampunk technology and you can yeah. get as weird science wild, wild west with it as you like. Yes. You yeah. know, we, we, we start to, you know, branch out there. And then there are kind of meta humans in 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 the in the very like x-men sense there are there are mutants to a certain degree okay i'm hoping that we haven't you know done a spoiler that you didn't want to we'll just edit this out we don't want to oh no i mean this is in the player's book this is in the player's book okay all right it's at it's at the end of the player's book but this is it's there (laughs) Mm. because because this entire section is a thing uh that kind of needs to be earned there is the game does have an idea of how we want you to explore it, at least to begin with. Oh, no, like, gee, let's see the flavor text right here. Introduces the players to a steampunk post-apocalyptic world where political and social struggles mix with supernatural intrigues. Okay, yeah. yeah. But but forget that part about post-apocalyptic. Yeah, I, I need to rewrite that. Um, that'll be part of web marketing 2.0. We're, we're, we're really, you know, we figured out what works we're focusing on what people are interested in how to describe this a prequel expansion would be like the post-apocalyptic cream like the the age right after the cream hit right and in your timeline there is that time right and that falls actually pretty neatly analogous to our middle ages oh okay but yeah you have supernatural intrigues you have uh, so, so the Akrim, you know, we've talked about how it has impacted the ecology of the world. Plants, animals, everything has been affected. And that includes humans, even though humans don't want to admit that. And so there are certain humans who have been mutated, enhanced, or in some cases cursed by the Akrim in some way, shape, or form. Well, and, that, that's evolution adapting to the environment. Yeah, just... You sound like a great Renegade Lodge member. <laughs> wow. I don't, I'll, and okay, he's not and, wrong either. And, and you're going to say here the question mark at the end. I'll take that as a compliment. Yeah. That's um, right. Yeah. Take it like as a compliment. A friend, yeah, I had a friend of mine who just up and said, you would, you know, because they're into LARPing, you would make an excellent Malkavian. I didn't know what it was. And I had to have my friend. <laughs> oh, Old, and this yeah. is like her husband's best friend. I'm like, what did you call? No, no, Trav, it's a compliment. Yeah, yeah Trav is only one lab accident away from being a supervillain. We all know that. <laughs> you fool, you said you wouldn't tell. Yeah. <laughs> okay, then you'll love this. Um, yes. no, it's like Mary Mary Shelley, we love her. Oh, yeah. Edward Scissorhands, absolutely. Um, no, <laughs> oh, no, see, it's good that you have drank from the same soup cult. Was it pop culture soup terrine that we all have? Yeah, this is the Mr. Bird's eggs. Yeah. No, it just, the, the fact that the cream, because it has become the, it, it's not become part of the environment. Let's face it, it's become the environment. All yes. the oceans and everything are this cream, this, and what did you call it? Basically liquefied entropy. To, yeah. Well, yeah. And so, yeah, it's become this world. It's not just a part of, and yeah, the humans that, and because, you know, they didn't know what it was when it first happened, you're going to, I, I see the mutations. Yeah, this would just be a fact of the humans evolving to this new factor in their environment. And so, yeah, I could see a lot of, and of course you're going to get these people as soon as they learn about it, they're going to want to play these these mutants as you call right. them. Yes. And just I could see that as I wouldn't say a problem, but after a while it's like, why would I want to play a normal human? Yeah, yeah. I might have a third eye. It's the same problem in Bureau 13 when you have a team that's filled with nothing, no humans. They're all monsters. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, right. you know, there's there are reasons why they're, you know, there 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 are good reasons to have an actual human being on this group. Right. You know. Yeah, and <laughs> and it is balanced. So yeah. the uh, so so you give up actual physical skills for your mental abilities for cephaly, as we call it, which is kind of like this eldritch psionics that works off Ooh. of the flow, oh. which works off of the flow of emotion 
it, it works off of the flow of human emotion, the collective subconscious. You know. We, oh, so like we, Akashic record kind of stuff. Uh, more like we take a lot of uh, exp- in, influence from Jung, like you know, Jungian archetypes, okay. that kind of fun stuff. Okay, yeah, you know. I did see the word Jungian there on the page. So, okay, got it. Yeah, yeah. That's that's where this influence really comes into, into the dream state, the collective subconscious, oh. all that fun stuff to play with, you know. Maybe he wasn't really a great uh, psychologist in the end, but authors have been having a field day with him ever since. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jungian, yeah, just boom, okay, that fits and... Of course, you're going to get that one guy or one gal who's at your or one non-binary. We try to be inclusive here that they're going to know Jung and they're going to look at this and go, no. And you're just like, shut up. Just go with it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, no, I have people in my games pick it apart. As I said, I have an archaeology on my Thursday and Friday night games. There are no historical campaigns that I'm running because of, I, I love Courtney dearly, but just like, no, I'm not running anything historical. But yeah, so this whole thing with just where you we can pretty much say that because the cream just well appeared evolved whatever you want to say how it appeared that the society had to go this dystopian steampunky route because of how it changed the environment mm-hmm. yeah is it, yeah yeah okay i'm just I, yeah basically this is the reconstruction of 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 the world from this this event, okay, and it and it is basically s- stable now. It's it's yeah. you know it's it may be fragile, okay, you know, but it's still you know uh, it, it's not going to collapse the next morning unless a, an awful lot of very important again that one that one spark setting off the 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 powder keg. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Okay, so. You can that that allows you to play around in the in the system, knowing you're not going to break the world if you just decide to go in some direction. Ooh. GMs need GMs need to have a certain amount of comfort, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. When they when they start designing their adventures for their players. Okay. Ooh, e. Ooh, ooh. Speaking of environment, Ian. Someone want to ask? This cream. Yes, it erodes stone. Yes, it erodes metal. Uh, pure metals are the ones that have i guess the most resistance to the entropic effects of the cream noble metals noble metals yeah. thank you i'm going to take it that the geo- geography of this world is going to be different because you know coastlines have been eroded away there are some islands that might be different oh no okay there's a term that i use with some of my gamers as far as geography i call it map porn I can't wait to see the atlas for this world because just I'm going to see, okay, because of the cream, how has geography changed? You might have, oh, the Red Sea now, it's like the African subcontinent's going to be totally disconnected from the Middle East and Europe, or the Mediterranean Sea might be much larger. The United Kingdom might be small. That's what I'm, I'm really interested in because I love me a good map. And just, I'm wondering just how how much the geography has changed due to the cream just over centuries. Because you said what it appeared in this world around six seven hundred A.D. Yep. Yeah. The point is, is a thousand years after. That. Oh, oh no. Then geography is going to be changed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Then that. Yeah. No. This is going to yeah. be a totally different map of the world which yeah well yes. it's not only it's not only the cream it's the fact is that all you know that our world looks the way it does a lot because of industrialization and what we have done to oh, yeah. move move rivers and literally cleave mountains out of existence and I mean, erosion a, and agriculture and yeah you know, we've made everything. lots and yeah, lots yeah, yeah, of yeah. changes you know that's not gonna that didn't happen Okay, other than whatever the caustic effect of the cream was. So it's going to be both, well, okay, I guess the term nature and nurture would, would come into play here. Yeah, yeah okay. the overall shape of uh, of Africa is probably still the same. Okay, all right. Yeah, okay, but a lot of things, and we, and, and we has, he hasn't even mentioned, did this have any effect on, let's say, rising the sea levels? Because, you know, did, did it melt the snow and ice? Or, oh, oh, yes. Hopefully, that's hopefully that sort of thing will appear because we're over time, 
And uh, so everybody who wants the the uh, answers to these burning, er corroding questions, uh, <laughs> please, uh, uh, you know, go to um, go to drive through RPG and download the uh, e cream uh, starter kit, which is one hundred percent free. Uh, it's a beautiful PDF. And, from, open, uh, from Open Sesame Games, when you go to drive through, type that in the. Yeah, and and go to their website and uh and, and enter your 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 email address so they can keep you informed of when the Kickstarter is actually going to happen. Uh, and so if you still, you know, uh, and hopefully when that happens, you're you're going to be ready to uh, support them because as I say this is a rare thing. You know, we we've been talking about this in a number of previous episodes that we like. You know, we're on the edge of gaming. This is something that hasn't happened very much. Where a, a a tabletop RPG has come over from Europe to America, and with that entirely to to Americans alien aesthetic. Yeah, <laughs> and so which means that in some ways you end up with a world. Uh, uh, that's going to be far more alien than most alien worlds that we're that are created here in the United States. For example, um, oh, Gamma World. Gamma World yeah. is, is an American creation. It's not anything like this. So, uh, so just from the standpoint of just you know widening your perspective, uh, you know, GMs getting interesting game you know uh, game material and new ideas. Recommended highly that you get involved with this, and we would love to have more conversation about this on our Facebook groups, uh, which is uh, fans of, of Gaming on the Frontier. Uh, and if you want to uh, leave a comment for us on iTunes, and please give us a five rating because you know, that's how people try us out when they see we have a really good rating. And of course, uh, you can email us through uh, Podbean and, and Trav, of course, is very easy to find because he is uh, uh, the Tuesday night voice. Yeah, Ian, as I said, DementiaRadio.org is where I do my show. And so I, I tend to, and it's nothing against my co-hosts. They are both fantastic people. Bruce, I've known for 20 years now. Um, it's I got the biggest digital footprint out of the three of us here. So it's like, yeah, usually I welcome questions about this other endeavor I have. And I'm more than glad. I think you've guessed by now I'd like to talk a lot. But no, Mr. McClung, I will say this real quick before Bruce leads us out. You have something fantastic here. And just this is the, how you just fell into this. And it's just a mind-blowing concept that once this is all said and done, I am sure that this is going to, in our now much highly abuzz tabletop role-playing game community, this is going to catch a lot of people off guard and by storm. And I mean this in a good way. People are just going to be like, what? Wait, this is a thing? Holy smokes. And I, all of us here wish you the best of luck with this, sir. Yeah. And I, I appreciate the fact, you know, you may not realize this, Trav, but, but you know, he cut his teeth on 5E, which means that he uh, is, is one of the next generation yes. of game designers. Yes. What we're, you know, so, you know, this is one of the people that's going to be designing games, you know, going forward. We're, we're, you know, we're the old guard. We're, yeah. we've seen all the earlier stuff. Okay. He's only really, you know, he, I mean, other than doing his research, I'm just saying is that he's the world in which he, you know, uh, he's designing this game is is going to be and and where he goes from here is much different than the world in which we you know uh, started our RPGing. And yeah, so, that, 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 I remember the days of Thaco. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, never no. mind the Thaka. You know, how about you know how how about things like you know a whole bunch of little stars and lacquerty and something like that for White Wolf Games. <laughs> but but that's but that's the thing, Ian. You've managed to to knock. Me and Bruce, I mean, Jonathan is the, the youngest out of us three, but me, <laughs> like uh, that, 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 no, that's not, I'm just stating a fact. I'm not, that, that's Fair no spirit on you. You've managed to, to knock Bruce and myself off our collective feet with this concept. So if you've managed to get two of the old guard here, just going, wait, what? Whoa, you, you have a hell of a thing going here, sir. Thank you for your time and, and giving us insight to all this, sir. 
Yeah. We, appre we appreciate you being here and uh, telling us all about eCream. And we are we wish you the best and hope to hear more from you as the time goes on, because you now have our email addresses and such. And I'm signed up, so I'll be hearing about it when 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 you guys do that. So and for all of our listeners, we hope that you will join us in uh, wishing Ian the best and uh, and 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 e cream success in the American market. And we'll have more. Uh, strange and unusual things uh, that's out there in the uh, gamosphere. But you'll have to wait until next week. So, until then. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there. So go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.